Welcome in to We the Fans. I am Joe Hunk, and we are getting going on this Friday. Friday. Wow, where have I been? I'll be honest with you. I've it has been such a long week that uh, I'm not 100% sure on exactly where I've been. I'm actually trying a new mic setup right now as well. So let me know in, uh, let me know in the comments to make sure that you can hear me as we get going on uh, We The Fans this Monday here on KCPN. And I am Joe Hunk. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Hunk. You can obviously follow us on KCPN on many, many different avenues that we have in many different venues that you can listen to us. You can follow us on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, as well as Facebook Live, which is where your comments are going to be flowing in as we get going on this Monday. Now, a lot has happened in the course of seven days since the last time uh, that we have we have talked. And part of that is the fact that we had New Year's and you had tons of college bowl games. Uh, the SEC going, I think, like six and two during this time span. And not only them going six and two, but also the fact that Steve Sarkeesian has been named the new uh, head coach at Texas. You also have uh, Brian Harson has officially become the head coach at Auburn. That press conference actually happened like I want to say like Christmas Eve or something. So, so there's a lot of things that have taken place over this as well as Mississippi State getting into a fight. I'm also double-checking everything now. If you are watching on the Kansas City Podcast Network, look, there's a few ways that you can listen and watch. Obviously, go follow us on Apple Podcasts. When you do follow us on Apple Podcasts, make sure that you give us a five-star like and review, and it kind of helps us grow uh, on KCPN for not only for us, for Run Your Mouth, for uh, the tailgating KC, for the spoken, triple Bs, all of that stuff, three Bs, um, all of that. But that's how we grow here on KCPN. But you had Mississippi State getting in a fight. You had Ole Miss uh, beating Indiana, which Indiana at the time was not wearing their Big Ten patches uh, for their uh, for the the representation of the Big Ten. York, how's my audio sound, bro? I know, and all of that. Now, the other way that we were talking about, I got sidetracked in ADHD. I apologize, but the other way that you can. Uh, Listen not only on the Apple Podcast is by watching the show on KCPN because on it we do video highlights. We have a lot of that stuff that's going uh, throughout the broadcast. So that's the reason why here in just a few moments when we go back through the two college football playoff semifinal games, uh, we're going to be breaking down uh, as it goes along. So it's a little echoey. Okay, cool. I'm just making sure because I'm actually using my studio mic that I use during the day whenever I, I host the shows on 97.7 ESP in the zone uh, in Huntsville. So just that's why I'm trying something new on this. But the idea that Notre Dame didn't belong in the college football playoff, the idea that Ohio State did not belong in the college football playoff, I think some of those were a little, some overreaction. Some of those might have been a little bit accurate. 
but we all kind of know what has happened and what did happen throughout the course of the Friday night on January 1st. And in the first game of that was the Rose Bowl. And as we start going through some of these highlights, I show you the opening kickoff for one reason and one reason alone. That moment that just happened was the very reason I knew that, that Notre Dame was not going to win this football game because they fumbled the opening kickoff. Now, they got it back, but then, then this play takes place where Notre Dame and Williams, who was arguably a Heisman contender himself, try to stiff arm, didn't work. Then you have Devontae Smith with this touchdown run. This was another reason why Notre Dame was totally outmatched in this football game. Watch at the horrific angle that Notre Dame takes. Number 14 right there that just flew past the the computer screen. Watch this again. The horrible angle that he took to try to tackle Devontae Smith was what Notre Dame did all night long. Najee Harris, the leap that made McLeod just look like an absolute moron and in the process and became a meme and is is the way a lot of us tried to enter Mondays is Najee Harris going over McLeod. McLeod wasn't even fully down. That's over five and a half feet of what Najee Harris just hurdled a football player at least five and a half feet just to make that jump. And he hurdled him for the humongous game for Alabama. Look, Notre Dame actually played very well in the game. They really, really did. But Alabama is just that much better, and it's scary. Because this was like, what, two plays later? Maybe a play later? And Michi, or uh, uh, Billingsley scores this touchdown wide open. Watch the linebacker, number 35. Watch him scoot up, and then boom, he realizes nobody's back, and Billingsley's running behind everybody. Blown assignments, bad angles that were taken. And obviously you have three Heisman contenders for the Crimson Tide. And Devontae Smith had a low-key 100-plus yards receiving and two touchdowns in this game. Mac Jones looked like a quote-unquote game manager. But Najee Harris was the biggest winner in this game for Alabama offensively. And how well he played with the way that Notre Dame's defense was setting up against Alabama that was kind of something that we could have predicted because in this watch Ian Book, Ian Book has played solid this year, but such a horrific play to call on that or, or throw and decision process in that. And Christian Harris picks that off. And this was then at the point where Notre Dame was just trying to get anything it possibly could. They were going for it on fourth downs every single time they were they were crawling. And this play to me. Devontae Smith, bleed blocking for Michi, that's another reason why Devontae Smith should win the Heisman Trophy tomorrow night for the for Alabama. Because look at him being a lead blocker and, and not even caring. He could have let, let up and Michi could have run past him. But acting as the lead blocker to get Michi another 10 yards on that play was an absolute brilliant job by him. And then he finishes it off another touchdown for Devontae Smith in this 
And it was an amazing game that he had, which wasn't even one of his best games this football season. And he looks, this is a touchdown in the NFL and in college football. Got both feet down in 365. He'll have to do that every single time to get a touchdown. And that was a tremendous job of using his feet and getting both feet down before falling out of the end zone for the touchdown. And you cannot stress how many times Alabama in this game dominated Notre Dame. This sack by Alabama late in the in the third quarter, which is another sign of Notre Dame's offensive line, which was deemed probably one of their, their best over the last two decades, was starting to tire out. And you were able to see the pressure coming up the middle and getting Ian Book sacked for this game. Notre Dame is a great football team. But this late score really was only important for one particular reason, and we kind of all know what that reason is. It was the 19-and-a-half-point spread that Alabama had that they didn't cover just because of the late touchdown. But Notre Dame is a great football team. Do not take the score away and look at it and think, God, this was a blowout. They shouldn't have even been in the football game. They actually played very well. The difference between Notre Dame and Alabama simply comes down to recruiting. And I'm not talking about a major difference. It is a difference of maybe one or two football players. Because Notre Dame, they only got, I believe, one five-star last year. I believe it was Michael Mayer, who is a tight end for Notre Dame. I believe he was their leading receiver on Saturday or Friday. He was their best recruit from last year's class. They need to get about two more five-stars every single year than what they're normally getting. They're normally getting around one. They need to get two or three. And when I say it that way, I say it because those are your game changers. And the game changers that you see on Alabama's side of the football, mainly the offensive side of the football between Devontae Harris, or Devontae Smith, Najee Harris, and Mac Jones, those three players are game-changing players. Ian Book, he's a gamer. I don't really want to call him a a game manager. He's more of a facilitator because he can create plays for Notre Dame. He just does not have any help at the wide receiver position when it comes to being that deep threat difference maker. Williams at the running back position, he is very good. And he could have done a lot more in this game because Notre Dame actually kind of rushed the football very well against Alabama at times. But that's where Notre Dame is going to be lacking. And the difference between Notre Dame and everybody else, we know about the differences when it comes to having to recruit for the the university that Notre Dame is, is obviously and the football team is having to recruit towards. They don't have the ability that a lot of us see when it comes to college football. Look, if there's a, a five-star wide receiver that wants to go to – We'll say North Carolina, okay? I mean, that's probably a bad example because they had a cheating scandal. But if a five-star wants to go to, go to North Carolina, they can kind of work them in. Like, you know what I mean? Okay, if you have this GPA or if you have this ACT score, SAT score, because you're an athlete, we can actually get you in for X instead of Y. You can get in. That's not the case at Notre Dame. There is a standard. You go below that standard, sorry, you don't meet the criteria to get into Notre Dame. 
That's the biggest difference and the biggest hurdle that Brian Kelly has to go up against every single time that he recruits and he still puts out top 10 recruiting classes. Okay, Brian Kelly is a very good coach. Yes, you want to look at him and and get upset because before this game even got brought up, you start asking yourself, well, why do we keep bringing up 2012? Because that's the last time that you got spanked by Alabama when you were supposed to be one of the top teams in the country. And that's the reason why everybody judges you anytime you get into either the BCS National Championship or the college football playoff because you don't win those games. You have got to win those games. But again, you're going up against Clemson, against Alabama, against Ohio State, All three have academic standards that are very different than what yours are. I'm not saying that that Alabama, Clemson, and and Ohio State are dumber. I'm just saying they can work the system a little bit more than what Notre Dame can. If Notre Dame can get one or two more five stars that can be game changers, then they're playing for a national championship. They're that good of a football team. Regardless is if they're in the ACC, the Big Ten, or if they stay in independent, they will be in the college football playoff and they will be in the national championship, but it's going to take one or two players. That's it. Think about it. Out of a recruiting class of 25, they need one or two. They find those two game changers and they're playing for a national championship and potentially winning it. All right, got some comments coming in. You can comment as well if you are watching this live on Facebook as well as YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, and and all the other places that we are on KCPN. Yorkie says that Mac Jones is a game manager. Yes, he is a game manager. And the game manager idea is honestly not a bad one. Okay, we always want to put something like that as kind of a negative towards a player. That actually means he's very smart, but he's not taking over the football game. What should be added in that sentence is he is very smart, but he's not taking over the football games yet. That is the biggest difference because game managers can develop into game changers. You become a game manager when they just want you to get out there and not make a mistake. A lot of times you're going to put that into somebody. For instance, you look around the SEC And if you start like in Missouri, Basilak, he didn't have to be a game manager. He actually had to be a game changer for Missouri. And he's part of the reason why Missouri won the games they are. So he, as a freshman, is actually kind of a very different type of player when it comes to the quarterback position. Bo Nix last year needed to be more of a game manager. Get the ball in the other players' hands. Get it into Seth Williams' hands. Get it into Schwartz's hands. And, and see what happens in it. That was part of it. Get into Shiver's hands last year. That was really what he his job was. And he tried too hard. When you try too hard as a game manager, that's when you start throwing your interceptions. That's when you fumble on a play where you're scrambling and you shouldn't and you, and you fumble the football and that totally changes the game in a negative direction on this. Justin Fields, his freshman year at Georgia before he transferred, to Ohio State, he should have went in as a game manager, but instead he tried to be the game changer, and that's when he had screw-ups, and that's when he had problems. You can look at Jake Fromm when he was at Georgia. When he went into that Notre Dame game, when Georgia went up to South Bend, Indiana, at the very beginning, like two, three seasons ago, 
that was when you wanted him to be a game manager, and he was, and that's the reason why they won. He eventually turned into a game changer. That happened later on in the 2017 season when they beat Auburn in the SEC championship game because then go back and look at what he did against Oklahoma inside that Rose Bowl game, and that's when you saw him start to change how he was as a quarterback, and that was part of the evolution of Jake Fromm. Quarterbacks over time can start as game managers and turn into game changers. Mac Jones didn't need to be a game changer. There was never a point this football season where Nick Saban, Steve Sarkeesian, looked at him and said, look, we need you to win this football game. Najee Harris is not going to get us the yards. Devontae Smith is not going to get us the yards. Jalen Waddle is not going to get us the yardage. We need you to create place. Tua tried to be a game changer even when he didn't have to be. They wanted him to be a game manager. And he really kind of was a game manager when it came to coming into that national championship game in 2017 because he made sure to not turn the football over. He made a couple of mistakes, but not very many. And so the game manager actually is kind of the first step in becoming the marquee quarterback that you want them to be. And being the game manager is a, is a tremendous term. In the NFL, when Mac Jones get, gets in there, you'll see him, he, they will, whoever he gets drafted by, they will want him to be a game manager. Fast forward to something that's getting talked about a lot is the Jacksonville Jaguars being on the clock and getting the first overall pick. If, if for some reason Trevor Lawrence doesn't go and make the go to the Jacksonville Jaguars, he's probably going to drop down to four, and he's probably going to go to the Atlanta Falcons, and the Falcons are just going to want him to be a game manager because of the playmakers that he has around him. Regardless as to if Todd Gurley is there or not, it is going to be simply get the football into Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones's hands. They will get you down the field. That is going to be the game plan if Trevor Lawrence goes to the Atlanta Falcons. Same thing is going to go if, if he does go to the Jaguars and Justin Fields goes to the Atlanta Falcons. Same thing is going to apply. We don't need you to be a game changer just yet. We need you to be a game manager and get the football into your players' hands. That was it. If you turn into a game changer then more power to you and we're just going to sit back and enjoy this ride because we know we made the, the, the right draft pick. Okay, there's some teams that have that. In, in, in all reality, more quarterbacks need to start off as game changers. If they are game managers, if they come into the game changer idea, look at quarterbacks around the NFL. Cam Newton was, had to be that in Carolina and that was a god-awful thing for him. For Dak, when he, went to, when he went to Dallas and he got the start when Romo got injured, they just wanted him to be a game manager and look at what he has developed into as the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys with as many weapons as he has. He doesn't need to be a game changer. He just, he just needs to get the football into his receiver's hands or into his running back's hands, and that's great. Justin Herbert for the, for the L.A. Chargers. They didn't need him to be anything more than a game manager, and he's became the figure point of this offense when Tyreek Taylor or, or Tyrod Taylor went down and Justin, Justin Herbert got put in as a starting quarterback because of the Tyrod Taylor injury. 
They didn't mean to put him in to become a game changer, and he become, became that for the Chargers. And whatever coach becomes the head coach of the Chargers is going to get a prolific quarterback and is going to get a very good offense to take over. Chiefs fans just hope it's not Eric Bieniemy. Personally, if I've got to pick a team for Bieniemy to go to, he needs to go to Atlanta because you put him in there who already trained Patrick Mahomes. And then you put him in there with potentially Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, and he get, brings them in as his starting quarterback in the, for, in the draft. That's a win-win for him because he can teach them, we don't need you to be a game changer. If it just comes, then it comes. But with Mac Jones and his development as a quarterback, him he today only has to be a game manager. Coming up on Monday when Alabama plays Ohio State, He just needs to make sure to get the football into the right players' hands, and they're going to take care of the rest. There hasn't been that many times this football season that Mac has had to make the type of play that he has had to throughout this season that normal quarterbacks have had to. Mac Jones has an amazing offensive line in front of him. He can sit back and read the defense and make the right play call, and not only that, but make the right adjustment during the play to throw it to the open receiver because his offensive line is that good. That's all he's got to be. Justin Fields, going back to what happened the other night, watch how he played in this football game. Look at the time that he has in every one of these big passes that he makes and how well his offensive line blocks for him and gives him the amount of time to find these deep balls when he is able to find those. That was the difference in Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence because Justin Fields had so much time. Look at the time. He scans this. He scans the entire football field. And he's able to find his tight end wide open. Actually, this time his tight end was actually covered. The defender just makes a bad decision on this. You then spin it around. And all of these touchdowns that he made, all the, the ones that he looked his best was obviously before this hit that you're about to see right here. And when he gets popped in the ribs, we thought that that was going to be the game-changing play. And this is where Clemson was going to take all the momentum back because of the hit that eventually turned into a targeting. Look, this is not about what your belief system is on the targeting rule personally. I think that you should be called for a personal foul on targeting. It should be 15 yards, but you shouldn't be ejected. That should happen after the second time. But this play hurt Justin Fields, but it hurt Clemson more because because the player that got ejected was their was their quarterback of their defense. Nolan Turner got to come back in the second half, but when number 47 for Clemson got taken out, Skaliski, that changed their whole game defensively because they had to put a freshman in that was not used to being the quarterback of the defense. Fields comes back in and makes this tremendous touchdown pass with five minutes to go in the second quarter, and you can see him in pain. Every single moment that he was not on the field. Heck, even sometimes when he was on the field. During the game, he got very smart. He realized he couldn't sit down. He couldn't even really get on the exercise bike because he tried. And it just failed miserably for him. So he just stood up the rest of the time because he was in so much pain. But watch these passes and look at how much time he had to read his defenses and to make the, and to make the right pass because of how good his offensive line blocked for him. 
this is arguably the best offensive line in college football today. And this is why Ohio State is playing in the national championship game coming up on Monday because Fields had the time that he did to throw the passes to uh, to Alove, Olive, I believe it's Alove, however you say it, to him and be able to use Trey Sermon on the ground. I mean, look at the time that his offensive line was giving him to Clemson, not to, not to some POS team. That know that you that you're playing in the middle of September. This is the Clemson Tigers, the number two team in the country that has NFL prospects all around, and they were not able to get that pressure on Justin Fields. He uses the RPO here to go for the deep ball that was the dagger in the football game at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And that was all Justin Fields needed. Six touchdown passes over the course. Of heck, it was sixteen. It was six touchdown passes over the course of forty-seven minutes. It wasn't even over the course of sixty minutes. It was over forty-seven minutes when he when he threw for six touchdown passes, and that was with the hurt ribs. I'll be honest, we're never going to know how injured Justin Fields is. We're just not. You're not going to know on on Monday. We're not going to know through the week because he's going to get shot up. He's going to take everything that he needs to take to make sure that he's on that football field. And Ohio State versus Alabama is going to be an amazing football game. No, I don't believe that Ohio State should be in this. Not because they're not good enough. Heavens knows they're good enough. They just beat the number two team in the country that we thought was was just going to walk through all the way to the national championship, and Alabama and Clemson were going to be playing each other. That was not the difference, and that's not the reason they should have been there or shouldn't have been there. The main difference to me does come down to the games they played, and not so much the resume, because that can come into question as well. But there is a big, big difference. When you are a football team, and you have played 11 games as compared to when you are a football team and you've only played six games because the health of your team is one of the biggest, biggest reasons why some teams do not make it to game 14 and 15 or make it to game 14 but not 15. And I'm talking about in a normal schedule. There's a major difference between playing with a football team where even, look, even during the regular season, they had bye weeks, whether they wanted them or not. They got bye weeks because teams tested positive because they weren't able to play because they had an outbreak and and they weren't able to play. There is a reason why Ohio State looks as good as it does right now. And it is because they have only played seven football games and they are the much fresher football team. York even says in the comments, it's the fact they're a fresher team. They absolutely are. If you are listening to this and you are in the SEC, specifically if you are an Alabama fan watching this in the state of Alabama, think about these names. Okay, think about TJ Yeldon. Think about Trent Richardson. Think about Bo Scarborough. Think about Josh Jacobs. Those players, as of right now, are just the ones that I'm breaking up. If Trey Saunders was healthy, 
and didn't get into an unfortunate car accident where he has to be out for the remainder of the season and he'll be back next year. Trace Anders may be able to be, well, you may be able to put him into this list as well. And what Alabama has done late in the football season is they have always had that, that secondary running back that has been able to come in and start taking football games over because they were much fresher. Trent Richardson had the big touchdown run in the national championship game against Texas in 2009 when he was Mark Ingram's backup when Mark Ingram won the Heisman Trophy. Remember, we all remember the image of Ingram in the end zone holding his hands up, looking to the sky after scoring a touchdown. That's what iced it. Chris, we appreciate you being in, man. That was what iced it. Go back and look at that Trent Richardson, like 75-yard touchdown run that he had right up the middle. Go back and look at, at Bo Scarborough when he started to come in in relief. Look at, at TJ Yeldon when he came in. Heck, Derrick Henry could have at some point in time been considered the number two running back, and he did the exact same thing. I say that because they had to go to their number two because their number ones, Wills got run, run off. Look. Auburn fans know this. How many times has Auburn ran a running back into the ground? We're just going to keep going until the wheels fall off. Well, then the wheels fall off and they don't even have a great NFL career or an NFL career at all. I mean, you look at, look at the Auburn running backs that have had great seasons for Auburn. How many of them are actually in the NFL right now playing, playing the running back position? Carryon Johnson, how many times has he been hurt for the Detroit Lions? Like it happens every single time. Yorkie brings up Cadillac. Cadillac's a great example. Back in 2003, 2004, Auburn ran him like crazy. That was the reason Ronnie Brown had the better NFL career because he had more tread on the tires. And that's the reason why he was able to, to be a better runner. In 2004, they started going to the to Ronnie Brown more because they were trying to save Cadillac. Chris brings in Trey Mason. Trey Mason, he had a great rookie year, but then he just went nuts when Todd Gurley came to the Rams. He did. He just went nuts. I don't know if it's I, – I really don't want to say CTE, but something happened where he just went absolutely crazy, and he started just riding his four-wheeler around the city, and it was it's really actually kind of sad with what ha- has happened to him. But they ran him into the ground. I mean, how many times did Auburn run him against Missouri in the 2013 National Championship game? Or the 2000 SEC Championship game, 2013. How many times did they run him in the National Championship game against Florida State? Like, you were going to either go, it was either going to be him or Nick Marshall. Those were what you were doing. One of those two was getting the football at some point in time for Auburn. And that is part of the problem. Todd Gurley, look at what he did when he was at when he was at, at Georgia. Hey, they eventually ran him so much that he tore his ACL multiple times. I mean, there was a point in time where there were two or three amazing running backs, and Todd Gurley was just one of them. I mean, that was how good Todd Gurley was, and also how good the running back core is. That's where the difference between Ohio State and the other teams is coming into effect right now because they are the much fresher team. And it's not, look, I'm not trying to throw shade 
at Ohio State. And what I'm doing right now is I'm actually wanting to pull up their schedule to show a point as to what happened with Ohio State this football season. So they won their first three games against Nebraska, Penn State, and Rutgers. Then they had November 14th canceled against Maryland. They then had the matchup November 21st against number nine Indiana team, which was a not as good as a football game as, as it looked. 42 to 35, Indiana scored like I want to say 14 points in the last five minutes to even get it to within one score. Then they got November 28th off. Then they played Michigan State. Then they got December 12th off because they didn't play Michigan. Then they played on the 19th. So they were playing once every other week. That's why. That is why. We talk about the difference between a seven-win football team that's about to play for a national championship and an Alabama team that just went through an 11-game SEC schedule. Not 10, because they also won the SEC championship, and they're still undefeated at 12-0 right now. This would normally be when Alabama was getting ready for the SEC championship, and they have played an entire SEC schedule, played arguably the best team in the SEC outside of themselves, both Georgia and Florida and Texas A&M, all three of the other teams that are considered the top four teams in the SEC, Alabama's beat through all three of them. Then they went and played the number four team in the country in Notre Dame and still beat them, which should have been by more than what they did, but the late touchdown we all know about. So they have went through those games, and Ohio State has played a tough Northwestern team, they did play in Indiana. I'm not going to take Indiana away from them. And they now just beat Clemson. They're seven games into the season. Game seven for the SEC happened what? Mid, beginning of, of November? Like mid-November? Maybe? And Ohio State's just now getting there. That, to me, is one of the biggest concerns for Alabama in this football game because Trey Sermon is way healthier than Najee Harris is. That offensive line for Ohio State is way healthier than what Alabama's is. And Justin Fields is healthier than what Alabama's is. The, the, the line started at about four and a half. And it's now starting to lean more in Alabama's way so much so that I believe it's now up to seven and a half. Heck, it may be up to eight and a half by the time the show ends. But people are putting more money on Alabama. That, to me, honestly, if I'm betting, not saying who I think is winning the football game, if I'm betting, I'm going with, with Ohio State on this. Because their freshness is a major concern. Their defense, with how good it played against Clemson, is a major concern. Their offensive line being able to open up holes for Sermon is a major concern. And if Justin Fields gets open, scrambling the football, that is a major concern. Alabama is arguably the best team in the country right now. Ohio State is the freshest. That's the reason why this game really, really worries me from an Alabama side because they are going up against a team that is just as good as they are but is a lot fresher and has a lot more tread on the tires. Alabama would obviously win if you're going position by position. 
except for quarterback. I think we could give Justin Fields this. But offensive line goes to Ohio State. Wide receivers go to Alabama. Running backs go to Alabama. Quarterback goes to Ohio State. That's split if you're just looking on the offensive side of the football. Ohio State got more pressure and have and has a better has had a better defense consistently all season than what Alabama has, has but they've also played only team they've really played this year has been Indiana. They didn't play that well against Northwestern. Trey Sermon just ran the football for like 400 yards. It's really 331, but still, you get what I'm trying to say. Yorkie says that he's worried about the Bama defense. That, to me, I feel like Josh Job gets gets a, a flag thrown on him every single game. I just I don't know why he does, but I feel like he gets one thrown on him every single game. Patrick Sertan, to me, is going to be the difference between Alabama holding Ohio State to under 30 points or not. Because wide receivers at Ohio State are very good, but obviously when you're talking about Alabama's wide receivers, I would 100% put Devontae, put Michi, and, and Billingsley up against anything Ohio State can offer. But at the same time, it's not like they're that much better than what Ohio State is. Devontae Smith is just having an ungodly year. He should win the Heisman Trophy tomorrow night. That is that that to me is the biggest is going to be the, the coolest thing tomorrow is if Devontae Smith wins the Heisman because of how this award has kind of transitioned away from the wide receivers and running backs being able to, to win it to being almost a strictly quarterback driven award. Devontae Smith should be. I'm not a Heisman voter. I have two for the radio station that I work for, so they're not giving it to a third. <coughs> but that to me is, is going to be extremely fun to watch. So that's kind of your breakdown is see, and, and Yorkie says, I want Devontae to win it, but I think it's going to be Mac. I don't think enough people are going to give Mac Jones the love. I just really don't. He's had a tremendous football season, but I think that as people have went through the year, every time they turn on the tape, they've been paying attention to Devontae more than they've been paying attention to Mac. How many times recruiting-wise have you ever heard, you know, we went to this high school to check out this one player, but this guy actually stood out and we went with him. That's kind of what the way that I feel about the Heisman trophies, Heisman trophy voters turned on an Alabama game to watch Mac Jones. And then they saw Devonte Smith go off for 250 yards or 230 yards or three touchdowns or four touchdowns or five touchdowns. And then they're just going, mm, yeah, yeah. And see Yorkie says that, that Mac Jones has had a better season than the other two quarterbacks. See, I'll, I will say Kyle Trask had a better season than what the two quarterbacks had. I absolutely did. I think Kyle Trask, if if Kyle Trask had beaten Alabama, then he would have been winning the Heisman Trophy tomorrow night. But it is, and that, that part to me was the biggest kicker for Kyle Trask being knocked out of this was him not winning the football game. I don't think that that should be the reason because if you watch that game, the only reason Florida is within one score of Alabama in the SEC championship had all, everything to do with Kyle Trask. 
and his ability to get the football to Kyle Pitts to be able to give Grimes enough time and Tony enough time to to get open wide receiver wise so that they could that he could throw them the football. Kyle Trask to me was the best quarterback in the SEC this year, even better than Mac Jones. But you look at what Florida just did in the, in the Sugar Bowl, and that was absolutely just a laughing stock. If you don't know and, and you haven't seen it, Devontae, uh, sorry, I was reading Yorkie's other post, but uh, Dan Mullen basically said that the Sugar Bowl was used as almost like another spring game where they try to get a lot of players in and rotate a lot of players and it it just never it, it, they didn't take that game as seriously as as other people should. Well, that's New Year's Six Bowl, and so they're kind of saying that those bowl games don't matter anymore, and and that's probably just taking a shot at the integrity of the New Year's Six Bowl and in the way that a, a lot of these teams are. Because honestly, I don't know about you, but how many how many bowl games did you actually watch and have watched so far this season? I haven't watched I I think I've watched like maybe four this week and that was it. Like there was some in the very beginning of it I didn't care anything about. I know I watched some New Year's Sixes. I know I watched the SEC teams, but that's about it. And and so it it just bowl season doesn't mean what it used to. And now if the coaches start doing the exact same thing, then it's gonna be an even bigger problem uh for SEC coaching or or, or the bowl seasons when these teams start using this as an extra spring game so that they can get young talent more work, especially with the red shirt rules and the way that those things work. But when we come back on Monday, it will be national championship Monday. We will get you ready for Alabama, Ohio State. We'll also be we'll also be through the first round of the NFL playoffs. We will know who the Chiefs will be facing. We'll know who the Packers will be facing uh, in the division rounds uh, this year. So we will recap that as well. Make sure that you pay attention to everything going on KCPN-wise. We've got plenty of shows coming to you throughout the week. If you follow us on Apple Podcasts, obviously give us that five-star review as well as make sure that you share our podcast and let everybody know what is going on with KCPN. Also, uh, this week, make sure that you follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, as well as Twitch and YouTube, because the moment we go live, just like we are right now, that will be the very moment you get that notification so you can hop in and join us. I will talk to you next Monday. Have an amazing week, and we will be here with We The Fans for the national championship coming up next Monday here on KCPN. The only thing we have to fear is...